We are live. Fantastic. Welcome, everybody. Um, uh, this is uh, Connected Learning TV, uh, and you have uh, joined or are watching the fourth and final webinar of our June 2015 series titled um, Spotlight on Cities of Learning. Uh, if you're watching this, um, please uh, please take a moment to, uh, to share it with your networks, um, to, uh, to tweet it out, um, to uh, email it to colleagues. Uh, we'll give you uh, just a few seconds to do that. Um, my name is Michael Robbins. I'm the founder of SPAN Learning, and uh, I'm joined here today uh, by my colleagues, uh, Gerilyn Cave uh, and Peter Guttmacher. Um, Gerilyn uh, is with uh, Collaborative Communications, and Peter Guttmacher is with the DC Trust. And uh, we're here to talk about our experiences working with uh, with launching a Cities of Learning initiative uh, in Washington, D.C. Um, each week throughout the series on Connected Learning TV, we've been exploring uh, what's been happening with Cities of Learning in different uh, cities uh, across the country. Um, the, uh, the current location for Cities of Learning uh, are, um, are Chicago, Dallas, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, and Washington, D.C. Uh, Gerilyn, I think we have you up there. Are you muted? Um, I don't believe so. Can you hear me? Yep, I can. Go ahead. I think Great. what happens is, yep, all right, good. Um, so, um, so we, um, um, Cities of Learning um, is a national effort uh, that launched in Chicago a couple years ago as the Chicago Summer of Learning. And in each of these cities, we are building ecosystems for anytime, anywhere learning. Ecosystems that bring together partners from schools, from community-based organizations, arts and cultural institutions, youth development programs, after-school programs, um, really in a way that um, we can put young people at the center of a world of learning that spans across uh, different environments, that, that acknowledges the reality of, of anytime, anywhere learning for our young people in the digital age, uh, and recognizes the fact that school is just one place where they learn. They also learn at home, they learn in the community, uh, and they learn in online environments. Um, Cities of Learning, one of the key um, you know, components of this is uh, connected learning. Um, so we are here on Connected Learning TV to talk about that. You know, our shorthand for how we talk about connected learning in Washington, D.C., is that this is, these are learning experiences that better connect young people uh, to their passions, uh, to their peers, to their communities, and, and to their and to potential careers. So um, we are excited to be here. Uh, another key component of Cities of Learning is the use of uh, digital badges. And uh, digital badges are a way to recognize learning um, no matter where it happens or when it happens in a learner's life. Uh, and so uh, this is a, a mechanism that all of our ecosystem partners are working together with um, to, to take the learning opportunities they offer and work with them to, um, to create digital badges that go along with those learning opportunities uh, that then allow young people to hopscotch uh, across multiple environments. Um, before we dive further into our chat, um, let's go over a couple quick details. Um, for those of you watching live right now, um, we welcome your comments and questions, um, either via the Twitter hashtags, um, hashtag cities learn, and hashtag connected learning. 
uh, or you can use the Q&A feature that you should see in the video player uh, for the Google Hangout. Um, we'll do our best to address your questions as they come up. Uh, and we have, uh, have with us uh, you know, a team of facilitators as well that are helping uh, monitor and, and guide our process. Um, so uh, I'd also like to give uh, Gerilyn and Peter uh, a chance to, uh, to introduce themselves and tell uh, a little bit more about themselves. And, and then I'll do the same for myself. Uh, Peter, would you like to start? Sure, I'd be happy to. Hi, my name is Peter Guttmacher. I'm the Director of Programming and Curricular Development at the DC Trust here in DC. Um, we're an organization that is sort of the central, DC central intermediary and supporter and developer of out-of-school time programming in the district. Uh, we also work with a lot of local agencies uh, to uh, make initiatives happen in the district. So we're sort of the, the hub for things in out-of-school time. And I've been at the Trust for about 10 years, and in that time, I've developed a, a very large network of uh, program partners, uh, folks who do programming with young people, as well as connections with arts institutions and scientific institutions uh, that are all um, make for wonderful partners for the uh, District of Learning Initiative. Thanks, Peter. Uh, Gerilyn, uh, we'll uh, get you off mute and, uh, and ask you to do the same. Hi, everyone. This is Gerilyn. I'm an associate at Collaborative Communications, which is where SPAN Learning is housed. Um, I support the District of Learning in terms of outreach and communications, um, as well as a tiny bit of platform development. Prior to Collaborative, I was in the D.C. Office of the State Superintendent of Education and also on Capitol Hill. Fantastic, thanks. Um, you know, I think next we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about how we came to this work, um, not just our organizations, um, but personally, because I, you know, one of the things that that I think is um, is really fantastic about the Cities of Learning Initiative is that um, for those of us that are involved, uh, for our partners in the communities, you know, this is uh, this is certainly you know what we are are doing uh, during the workday, but it's also uh, deeply personal work, and it's something that we connect with uh, in very important ways. So, for me, coming to this work, um, you know, before launching Span Learning, uh, I worked, um, spent five years at the U.S. Department of Education, uh, and working with the White House on family and, and community partnerships in education. Um, and you know, one of the things that you know we saw across the country, and you know, working with cities, working with mayors' offices, with superintendents, is this profound disconnect um, that happens in communities uh, between what young people are experiencing in school and what they're experiencing in, in communities, um, and also the profound disconnect you know among uh, programs uh, in communities that that you know sometimes don't even know uh, you know who their colleagues are that are working. On these same issues, and so, you know, when I when it, the Chicago Summer of Learning started, you know, I got to see what was happening there, and you know, it really struck me that that this was a solution uh, to that problem, and then even deeper than that, a, a solution to change the way that education looks. Uh, you know, as a as a dad of a nine-year-old um, who goes to a very fantastic public school, uh, you know, with uh, with rigorous curriculum and uh, with uh, you know assessments that help customize instruction and uh, and great teachers, you know regardless of all the the wonderful things that are happening in school, 
the simple fact is that that learning for him um, looks too much like learning did for my parents or learning for my grandparents, where um, you know they kids go to school and they they sit at a desk and you know as long as they get passing grades they earn credit for doing that and um, you know I think you know, given the realities of of the digital age, you know I. I, as a father, am you know always looking for you know what what is what's the better alternative? And you know for me, you know cities of learning you know, is, is a way to take um, you know what's happening uh, in the education reform movement, and and a lot of progress uh, has been made, is being made. Um, we see school transformation across the country, but but it, we know it's not enough. Uh, it'll never be enough. We'll never have. All the resources in schools that we need for them to succeed, all the resources we have in schools to close the achievement gap, um, to bridge the skills gap between you know what we know young people are coming out of school with and what the workforce of the 21st century demands. And so, you know, for me personally, you know, as a dad and as someone who's committed to working in education, cities and learning is you know a transformative opportunity here, um, and you know, excited to bring that uh, to Washington D.C. Um, we have tremendous assets uh, in the nation's capital for learning. Um, too often, those are disconnected from each other. Um, they're they're difficult uh, for uh, for kids and families to to learn about, to access, uh, much less create pathways uh, that hopscotch across these opportunities. And so, I'm really excited to be doing that uh, here in the nation's capital. Um, Geraldine, do you want to take a minute to talk about sort of you know your personal interest and you know how this how and why this resonates for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so for a number of years, I actually worked in the state superintendent's office here in DC, um, doing a mix of communications and um, community outreach work, specifically around the Elementary and Secondary Education Act. And one of the things that we found locally in DC is that there are a wealth of opportunities for students to be involved in arts, STEMs, you name it, there's probably an organization here um, many of them on the national scale who are doing work and programming at a very high level for students. One of the key problems that we saw consistently was that parents really had a hard time connecting with those opportunities. And so families may learn about a summer camp or a really great program done by the Kennedy Center because someone handed them a flyer at church. They might be on a community listserv that's just in their ward. And so that that part was really kind of frustrating because there there's so much that's here in DC and the problem is not the dearth of opportunities but really creating a network and a platform that parents students families can connect with in a real and meaningful way that allows them to see throughout the course of an educational career that a student may have opportunities that may be three or five years down the line and so I was really excited about this project really from a family engagement standpoint and providing a real value not only to the education community but those who are just education and student advocates um, and connecting them to learning opportunities that were real and um, very high quality here in the city so it's one of the reasons why we're kind of empowered and passionate about this work um, but a real value added here in a city like DC that has um, local roots but also national cloud. Awesome Geraldine thanks. Um, Peter uh, what about you? I mean well, for me, you've been deeply engaged with this work, and you know, I've we've we've gotten to work together on this. I know you're super passionate about it. What what for, what are the things that really resonate for you? Well, I think for me, it goes back to my own experience as a young person, 
and I didn't really shine in the classroom that much, but there were a lot of things that I did outside the classroom that had a great deal of meaning for me and that really has gone to making me who I am. Um, and, and I really connect with the idea of young people being really intentional partners in their own learning, in their development, in their self-advocacy. I used to teach at a school in Los Angeles uh, that was for uh, gifted young people who also had a large variety of nonverbal learning differences and a big focus that we had was really making them partners metacognitively um, and just in general uh, in how they learned and how they achieve. So I mean that's tremendously exciting to me and having worked in DC for for 10 years now after leaving Los Angeles I know that it's a very it's a city that's very rich in resources but it's also a very siloed city and so the idea of being able to use an entire learning landscape uh, both in school and out of school for young people and their families to navigate to take advantage of opportunities to to create pathways where they want to go is very exciting and I'm lucky enough to have made enough uh, colleagues here in my work um, that there are lots of different branches that can be part of the system that, that we're building. Great, thanks, Peter. To to add to what you said about really putting young people at the center, you know, the this um, the work that we're doing. You know, one of our central goals is for young people to understand and own their own learning paths. Uh, you know, digital badges are a key piece of that uh, for cities of learning. We have all of these data systems that exist in education, that exist in youth development and social services, and and they're all really about um, young people and families and and this takes that a step forward and really looks at you know how how can young people and families uh, own their data as it exists to education and so you know, that's a I think a, a real important uh, component uh, Geraldine I'd, I'd like to turn to you now and um, you know to to get sort of an overview of uh, you know how what's been the process so far um, you know, if you could summarize for folks sort of what the three of us uh, and the you know our extended teams at the the trust and and collaborative communications and our partners have been doing, you know, over the last that's um, really um, a year now um, to uh, to get things going. Yeah. So. What Michael is not stating is that Michael, Peter, and I have been a trifecta for the last uh, year, really crisscrossing the city to build a learning ecosystem here locally. We started last fall with eight pilot partners um, of prominent um, organizations that we knew were doing high-quality programming. Um, folks like the Latin America Youth Center, which does awesome programming for teens around health and youth advocacy. Organizations like Martha's Table that also have um, strong media and youth advocacy programs as well. And so we reached out to them and had really a level of enthusiasm that we were very excited about from the organizations um, and took them from start to finish not only from um, designing their badge programmatically, and Peter has been a really great help there in terms of pe helping people to think critically about what's the criteria, what's the evidence they want to include in their badges, but also connecting them with our design staff so they can actually visually design their badges, tag standards and really think critically about the 21st century and common core state standards that are intrinsic to their programming, and then also helping them um, get set up on the platform that we are using that's now on 
online. Um, since then, we've uh, continued to build that ecosystem and we're working with about 40 different partners who are either going to be badging this summer or this fall. And we've complemented a lot of that ecosystem building with some discussions that have been focused on things like family um, and student engagement, um, on youth outreach, and we've leveraged a number of different networks like the DC Arts and Humanities um, Education Council, as well as this existing networks around STEM, as well as the environment, to really really reach and engage partners here locally. This uh, spring, we've also done a really good job of engaging the higher ed and college access community, knowing that for issues such as currency, they're critical to the conversation. And so this summer, we're very excited because the summer session starts um, this June, and many of our partners are going to be starting programming next week. And we're excited to work with citywide partners like our local libraries, like the Kennedy Center, and like Smithsonian that's here locally, but obviously have a national clout, to really build our ecosystem and engage partners further. Great. Thanks, Gerilyn. Peter, what, what would you add to what our experience has been and what our process has been uh, with, uh, with developing district of learning, as we call it here? Well, I would just want to cite something from yesterday. So yesterday, we had folks all together. We had a great visit from uh, the folks at MacArthur coming in. And we had one program called the Queen Bees from Living Classrooms, where young women uh, create videos that uh, are, that deal with issues that they care very deeply about, sort of music videos that they care about. And then we have a partner in Art Lab Plus out of the Hirshhorn Museum at the Smithsonian. And I think that what we're doing here also creates intense community so that these folks were able to come together and work out something so that in August, the Queen Bees will be going to Art Lab and the teens that get uh, uh, badging and, and, and uh, certification for technical skills there will be teaching the Queen Bee's girls uh, a course in uh, audio engineering and video engineering, which is exactly what they want. So I think that the, the potential for this in connecting people as well as for getting people to really be intentional about what they're doing um, is incredible. And I think I know that we've all been impressed by how receptive and how enthusiastic the people we talk to, whether they're in workforce development or in in you know college readiness um, or in the arts or in STEM, have been to this idea of young people really owning their learning experiences. Thanks, Peter. Um, you know, this, just to add there to Peter and Gerilyn's comments, we've we've really taken a community organizing approach. Uh, to launching this. Um, we have not, uh, you know, it's not been uh, big announcements, it's not been press releases, um, although we are having, <laughs> we are to that stage now. Um, you know, it was really a lot of one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations, um, you know, small meetings, um, you know, working with existing networks, and, you know, this was, uh, you know, this was something I think that was reinforced with our conversations with folks uh, in Pittsburgh and their experience in, in building uh, their um, their Kids Plus Creativity Network and, and what is now their their Hive Network is that you know this is um, this there's a lot of personal legwork that goes into this and and so you know we're starting to see sort of how that uh, how that work uh, is playing out you know I think two um, you know a couple things that characterize the conversations that we were having with um, you know, our potential uh, partners, uh, potential stakeholders. Um, number one, you know, was 
again, this idea of digital badges. Um, you know, a lot of folks may have heard about digital badging, but didn't really understand what it was. And so, to be able to um, to sit with them uh, and to explain this, you know, it, it for for most people, it just immediately resonated. And you know, what we heard, you know, sort of five minutes into conversations, is yes, this makes sense. Uh, how can we get involved? You know, there, um, you know, but along the way too, you know, we um, We've had people ask some really um, important questions. Um, you know, some some thoughtful questions. You know, we uh, all of us that are involved in the cities of learning work are are very quick to admit that we don't uh, have all the answers. There are still um, deep challenges that we're grappling with. Um, you know, Peter, I'll, I'll jump back to you, and then and then Gerilyn, You know, what what have you seen sort of uh, as some of the challenges uh, that people have raised? Uh, I know we heard about some of those yesterday as well. Well, I think that you can start with a mindset that it's an initiative that they have to fit into, that there's some template or rules and regulations that they've got to be a part of. And while there are guidelines, the tenets of connected learning, it's been so exciting to be able to give people room to move within this. And I think sometimes it's taken a few minutes for it to sink in that, no, we're not asking them to march in lockstep with something, but just to to add their color to this this palette, this this landscape. Um, I think some of the challenges that have come up is uh, around funding. Uh, DC is a is a city where people are often funded for their work with young folks um, on an average daily attendance basis, and so the idea of sending a young person off from your program to another program for a period of time to go on to a next experience after they've leveled up from a badge that you've have issued to them. Is is something that causes concern, and we need to work out as far as how that dance will go between uh, programs. But but there is a gr also a great hunger in the, especially in the CBO community here, to do that kind of work, to work together, to collaborate. Um, just want to make sure that no one's penalized for it in the funding that they receive. That's a a challenge that jumps to my mind. Yeah, Geraldine, what, what were some of the challenges that uh, that you'd like to sort of highlight here, some of the questions? Yeah, one of the things that I, I know we often get a question about is quality and how we are ensuring uh, all of our badges are high quality. And I think understanding the transparency of digital badges is something that we keep coming back to in terms of organizations really want to make sure that people see how high quality their badges are and they want to make sure that um, the evidence that's embedded in it um, is really seen as something that's prominent, particularly if their organization is endorsed by a national um, umbrella organization or they've had some type of celebrity or another um, big name who's attached to their organization. And so that's that's something that we've been very transparent about in terms of the nature of badges and how an employer or someone who um, might be in the higher ed community can see the information that's embedded there. But that was definitely a concern that we address. And in terms of thinking of the ways that people can compare apples to apples and create um, pathways, is something that I think that we'll be will continually be working on. But the good thing is that we've seen where folks have been concentrated on quality. Um, the first time that they've done a badge maybe in the pilot project they've said okay the next time we actually want to use our badge as a tool to introduce more rigor to our program so it's a good it's a good challenge because it forces people to think critically about the quality of their own programming but also helps them to think about where could my program or where could my 
students go on to next after they've mastered or aged out of my program. Yeah, Peter, something else to add there? Yes, I'm unmuted. Okay. Um, so uh, there's always the concern, of course, of administrative lift, like how much of my staff time and how much of is this going to take for me and my and 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 the people on my team to do the technical things to to make this happen. And I think that people have been surprised at how light the administrative lift actually is. And to sort of piggyback on what Gerilyn was saying, it also helps a program become more intentional about codifying what they do with young people and the standards that are involved and what the supports are and what the evidence of what they do so that when they go to write let's say a grant proposal for someone um, they have information that's already packaged uh, to be persuasive so I think that's a, a silver lining to a problem. So um, Gerilyn back to you on this and you, know, you and Peter have really been doing um, a ton of work um, on this badge development process. Can you talk about what, what that's been like? Um, sort of what assistance um, we've, we've been able to provide to potential partners so, to, to lighten their load? Yeah. So Peter and I in crisscrossing the city and speaking with partners um, pretty much have a standardized process. We will sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a partner that is interested in being a part of the District of Learning. And we actually um, have designed a tool here that is basically a batch design worksheet that really forces them and asks them some really critical questions to evaluate what they actually want to include in their badge. And so we definitely follow up with them and have a follow-up meeting. And then additionally, we connect them with our designer and give them some guidance on things that they think about before they sit down to actually design their visual badge. So those are things like does your organization have branding or a style guide that you have to conform with that your badge needs to fit in line with. Um, we always provide feedback on that badge design worksheet and so folks do really get the expertise of Peter as well as Michael and some really high-level professionals on um, what should go into their badge considering their uh, staff and their capacity etc. Then in addition to that we also um, take them through the rostering process and help them think about what is the best way to get all of their students into the digital platform. So if they have thousands of students who are um, citywide uh, in citywide programming, maybe the best uh, solution for them is to issue a claim code. And if they have a small program that's 50 or less, whether it makes sense just to roster them in an Excel spreadsheet. In addition to that, we always provide technical assistance. So if there are any type of questions that come up or programs that they have, want to connect with, um, we definitely make sure that we do our best to be responsive in those areas. Great, Gerilyn. Um, Peter, could you talk a little bit now, you know, part of the badge design process too has been really um, getting people to think about uh, the currency uh, of these badges, you know, the, is the phrase we use, and, uh, and then pathways. Can you talk a little bit about what those mean um, and the work that we've been doing, you know, both with individual partners and then across the city to help advance those two things? Sure. Well, whenever adults are designing something for young people, they have to be very careful that the ideas that they think are tremendously exciting are also exciting to the young people involved, um, because that's a, a, a you know it's a frequent trap that we fall into. So currency, in other words, what's in it for me for the young person? You can think that a badge is great, but a young person has to have a reason to earn it, and of course that's different for different ages of young people. For a very young a younger young person, elementary school, it might be 
recognition or unlocking a, a cool experience or field trip. But for an older young person, often currency is where is this going to take me? Is this going to help me build steps to employment or to higher education? So a lot of the conversations that we've had with folks who have been designing badges have not only touched on what can you do internally within your organization that recognizes and, and rewards this achievement that young people when they've completed a project or learning experience, but what is the next step? What can they go on to and how is this going to help them plot a path forward to a place that they might want to go? Um, and so that's been, that really has been part of the conversation we've had with everyone. And I just want to say one more thing. This is a total gas. I'm to go around to programs around the city and find out about the cool things that they're doing. And as a former teacher and curriculum developer, to be able to go, oh, that's great. And how about, I wonder what it would be like if you also, and to be able to brainstorm with folks in making this rich is just, it's, it's a lot of fun. We, we are having a lot of fun, aren't we? This is, uh, this is good stuff. Um, you have the, um, you know, another sort of issue here on, um, on the pathways is, you know, we've heard, and, and the currency is, you know, there's, there, people ask, you know, what does this mean for, uh, for employment? Uh, what does this mean for college admissions? Um, and, you know, we don't have ready answers for that. I mean, you know, and so, so to help create those answers uh, for us locally, uh, we are engaging directly with the employer community. Um, we're engaging directly with the college access uh, community. Um, and um, and then you know you know asking you know, admissions offices uh, of universities you know in developing these badge pathways what are things that you know, would be meaningful in the context of a of a college application uh, that that you might want to look at talking with uh, our Department of Employment Services and how we can build badges uh, into that work what would be meaningful in the context of um, badges that relate to uh, summer youth employment. Um, so, you know, it might be that if you earn certain badges, you would get access to a certain uh, subset of placements for summer youth employment. You might get more hours or you might get paid more. So really, you know, thinking deeply about, you know, what are, what are these currency issues uh, and pathways uh, for folks? Um, Geraldine, I, I know you, have, you had an addition here, uh, you know, talking about some of the, the younger kids. Would you, uh, would you chime in on that? Yes, so one of the things that um, for younger students, and we're thinking about students who are under the age of 12 and who obviously have a lot of opportunities that are available to them in the city, but also see opportunities that are available for both them and their family. We have had organizations who do. They serve a younger population. Um, and so really addressing concerns about privacy, um, and kind of assuring them that like personal data is not going to be embedded um, unless it's shared and a student has decided to share it is also um, something that we're really mindful and trying to be very thoughtful of um, just because we know we have students who here in DC have really rich experiences but might be selective as to who they want to share that experience with. Um, so keeping in mind and addressing those concerns is also um, something that we're dealing with really on a one-on-one -on -one level, knowing that there are organizations that do really, really great, intense work for um, tweens and uh, even folks who are elementary school age, but really um, really thinking about engaging their families there as well. Yeah, and you know, for us, you know, with the, the younger um, uh, cohort, um, you know, people under 13, 
you know, we it's a it's a bit of a different approach. It's it's you know there, um, you know, it's about uh, interest exploration really, and uh, and it's also about uh, about the adults you know in, in their lives, parents, uh, out of school time professionals, others um, that are helping uh, surface learning opportunities for them across the city. Um, and so, you know, for us, that you know, that's a that's a real focus uh, for that that younger group. Um, so, uh, Peter uh, and Gerilyn, what what advice would you give other cities uh, that are interested in uh, in developing a cities of, of learning, a city of learning in their own community? So I would probably say, if, if I were to give one piece of advice or two pieces of advice for the cities of learning who are potential, their potential 2016-2017, um, a lot of this work is really about building and leveraging relationships. And what we found in DC is that there's a lot of um, organizations who are doing great work, but a key way that we've been able to be successful is to bring those folks who are doing the great work together. Um, and so the work that we're doing, particularly around family engagement, um, and that we're doing with a lot of existing networks is really not necessarily new work for them. Um, you have organizations in various subject areas who've been working together for, for decades. Um, and part of this work is not necessarily always selling them on this new digital badge. They understand that learning opportunities um, outside of school and inside of school are really critical to the success of their students and particularly the students that they serve. But that for them there's a real benefit in being part of a larger community that is codifying um, the work that they do in a real skills environment that really highlights not only what they give to the students but also what students take away from their program and so the relationships that um, we're building has been really really key and many of our partners who we've initially worked within our pilot program have then come back and said hey have you thought about this organization that I work with have you reached out to them and so really um, investing time in um, building that ecosystem but really building a lot of those personal relationships um, within those existing networks has been really key and I know Peter um, has really been engaged with the arts community that has just really unlocked um, a whole network of organizations who are doing work around arts and music and media um, so he's been really really key and one of the ways that we've been able to be so successful just in the last year has been really leveraging those relationships. Peter? So I would add, uh, uh, I would be, so Jalen will be the good cop and positive and I will be the cynical practical guy um, and think that pitch what's in it for them. I mean I'm thinking about our conversations like with uh, uh, college folks said yes this is a nice idea of codifying young people's learning but what can it do for you to make young people more ready for the college experience once they get there. And we've had discussions about uh, colleges identifying sk specific skills and skill sets that young people lack when they come to the local colleges so that community members who are part of this network and ecosystem can weave that skill building into the things that they do or even something like learning how to navigate a college campus and the supports that are on there. What if there could be a badge around that so a young person really knows the structure and the system that they're coming into when they arrive at a campus. So, I mean, and similar things with, with employment. So I think that 
the more you, when you pitch it, especially to people on the pathways, um, the more you pitch it in terms of what their self-interest is and how it's going to make their lives easier, um, as well as the wonderful, noble thing that we're doing here, I think it's, uh, it's effective. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I think too, um, you know, a big um, a big lesson is uh, is engage with the schools. Um, you know, we've we've engaged with uh, District of Columbia public schools, uh, you know, from the very beginning uh, with the public charter school community, uh, and then you know, engaging directly, and then engaging uh, through your your community partners, um, because. You know, ultimately, you know, success, um, you know, is a lot of things. But but one of the you know key markers is when um, when teachers in schools are working together with um, you know out of school time providers and the Smithsonian to uh, to co-design badge opportunities and and then to co-administer those. So you know, really breaking down these silos uh, so that young people you know uh, are at the center of all of these these assets. Um, uh, Peter, you know, you've you've been in the classroom. Um, sort of, what advice would you give classroom teachers uh, who uh, might be interested in you know how they can engage with this work? Do you mean in terms of how they can engage with the work itself, or in the collaboration with, let's say, a community partner? Um, you know, I think um, I think in general, and then you know, uh, you know, what would be your answer to a, a teacher? Here in, in DC, how how would they get involved in, in what we're doing? Well, I think I mean at the base of it, that's about doing right. So, what are things? I mean, every teacher has a scope and sequence they have to teach to, but within those skills and concepts that they're communicating, young people learn by doing, and often you don't get the chance to have a time for a lot of that in uh, a set you know uh, school schedule. So where you do have room for doing, those are perfect things to codify with a badge. Where there is collaborative work between young people, where uh, they um, have a product or a presentation, something that, that shows the evidence of their work. Um, and then I just get very excited by the fact that these two uh, sort of arenas that haven't always worked together super well, the out-of-school time and the school time folks, it's an opportunity for teachers to just extend the reach of what they're doing by engaging the community partner and co-designing something where after the school day ends, the young person is going to get a chance to live it, live the concepts and skills that they're learning um, in a, 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 a practical, hands-on way um, out in the field. So uh, I would say find, think of the things that you do that are, that are, that are most active um, and, and exploratory, um, and also think about the partners that you know are out in the, in the community that maybe do programming out of school that is in some way connected to the topic that you teach, and begin a conversation. Geraldine, anything to add there? I would also say, in terms of planning time, because I, I think we can be transparent in saying that, you know, there's there's blood, sweat, and tears that goes to it in terms of your personal investment, um, but don't always um, underestimate the amount of time it's going to take to get folks um, not only up on the platform, but to get them on board. So I would say 
really leave a, a good amount of time, particularly if you're uh, an after-school educator or um, if you're a teacher in the classroom. It really is helpful to actually take some time and explain to your students you're going to be receiving this badge um, and also take the time to explain what it is to the parents so that they're aware that their student, by participating in your program, is going to get this cool thing after they complete it um, or if they complete it in a superlative manner are going to receive um, an awesome uh, badge that can sit in their uh, e-portfolio, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, a, lot, a lot of different social media platforms. So I would say don't don't underestimate that time. From from our standpoint, we've created um, and are going to be creating some more tools that organizations can use to communicate with their customer um, service stakeholders, so parents, educators, etc. But if you're the one who's actually going to be communicating that information, um, do be thoughtful about what's the best mode. Um, so if you know that parents in your class or parents who um, are, are really engaged in your program really like to see things on their website or like to have things in a paper co a copy, take the time to actually um, format it in a way that's going to provide them the most information, the most bang for their buck, um, and then also provide some kudos behind that in terms of your kid's so awesome, they're getting this badge and they're participating in this program. Um, here's what this actually means for you as a parent. So I would just say take some time also to communicate, but also um, invest some time in terms of thinking how you're going to communicate that information. Um, so just one other thing to add on, on schools um, and sort of our approach to badging as well. Um, you know, there's... Uh, there's a, a couple different ways to slice badges, um, you know, the, and you know they're they're not mutually exclusive, um, but we are taking a particular approach here. You know, we have some some folks across the country that are are looking at knowledge and skills and dispositions and um, and badging those so that you might get a badge for teamwork, or you might get a badge for collaboration, or you might get a badge for you know science, uh, you know, knowledge. Um, we are uh, taking a bit of a different approach and and really looking at how do we badge the experience um, you know recognizing that sometimes we can't really separate out uh, individual skills knowledges or dispositions that are are included in a badge and so um, so instead looking you know that's that's one of the, the great things about the open badge standard is that we're we're then looking at you know what are the the knowledge skills and dispositions that we can tag into the standards section of the badge, and you know here um, we're working with our uh, ecosystem partners to tag in Common Core standards. DC is uh, a Common Core uh, location, but you know this could work regardless of what your curriculum standards are in your local environment. Um, we're we're working uh, on tagging in a set of uh, 21st century skill standards. Uh, developed by MHA Labs uh, in Chicago, mhalabs.org. You can see what these skills building blocks are. Um, also offering people the opportunity to tag in next generation science standards or arts education standards you know, or, or other standards and so that we start to develop a picture but it also then, um, you know, getting back to the school question, you know, by linking it to standards, this is then something that is, um, you know, is really transferable. Um, uh, to the classroom. Uh, we had a question from Twitter too about uh, what badge issuing software um, will we be using uh, in DC. Um, the, um, the Cities of Learning Initiative, um, we have uh, a common platform um, that evolved from uh, BadgeKit, uh, which was developed by Mozilla. Uh, we're now uh, you know, working um, on that platform um, to, uh, to 
for organizations to list their badge opportunities, uh, for young people to, to claim their badges. Um, the, um, you can see what that looks like by going to any of the Cities of Learning sites. You know, Districtoflearning.org of is, is our site there. Um, and then you know we're, we'll be working uh, as a network for what version 2.0 of that looks like. Uh, anticipate rolling that out uh, early next year. Uh, but you know I think the important part is really that regardless of the platform is we're using the open badge standard and and that really you know ultimately it's not about a particular platform it's about um, you know giving young people data that they can transfer wherever they want and they can hold on in perpetuity you know the the tech landscape is evolving quickly uh, programs come and go um, but open badges uh, will be there and so you know, for us, it's it's you know developing something that meets our own functional needs, but then really you know putting the the data in the form of the open badges in the hands uh, of young people. Um, do we have any? I'm wondering if we have any other other questions uh, from uh, from Twitter. Peter and Geraldine, what what else? What are we missing here? What 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 are what are the unasked questions so far? That um, you know, it's, it's so one of them is you know, it, we have folks that may be watching this in Washington D.C. We have folks that you know will watch it online. Uh, if people want to get involved in District of Learning, um, how how do they get involved? What's the next step, Geraldine? Thanks. Okay, off you. Um, basically, anyone who wants to be involved, they can reach out to uh, myself or Michael or Peter. We actually have um, space in our uh, email, um, space uh, basically an email function basically on our, our website that also allows people who just want general information to get engaged. Um, but generally, contact one of the three of us um, to get involved, and Peter and I and Michael as well will come out. Um, to help you design uh, a badge, um, to think critically about what it is exactly that you want to badge, and even if it's not right this second, um, whether it's down the line, whether it's next year, because you know you have an awesome programming that starts in 2016 before the end of the school year or for the summer, um, we'll come and help, help you get set up, um, particularly for organizations who they know they have a big initiative that's coming up in the 2015-2016 um, school year, and they're not necessarily ready to badge yet but want to be kept in the loop about the movements because they could foresee themselves badging in the future or they really just want to be a thought um, leader in this community, meaning um, they have a special area of expertise, um, maybe they have um, leverage points or a network that really would be good for us to connect with, um, just connect with three of us um, and we'll be able to really, really bring you into the fold of our ecosystem. And I would just add, am I on? I think I am. Uh, so two things for if you're a program considering badging something, two plastics, no, just kidding. So the two tips would be keep it simple, start small, don't think, in this city often we feel a need to do things on a systemic level and this is something that is best grown organically. See how it goes, see how the kids take to it, see how it works within the, the overall mojo of your organization. And the second thing would be to work with something that you already do. You don't have to reinvent something or create something just for this. Think about 
what your kids are the most excited about that you do, that you really feel imparts skills and ideas in an active way, and then start with that. Could be something very short, a couple of weeks, could be something that takes place over a series of months that has different steps on the way to accomplishing uh, what you want to accomplish. But start with what you do. Great, Peter. Thanks. Um, you know, I, I also wanted to just share the Twitter handle uh, for District of Learning, which is um, DC underscore learning. Um, we have Twitter handles as well. We'll, we'll have those posted uh, you know, in the archived version of this um, you know, in the notes. Um, any, uh, any other last thoughts, uh, Gerilyn, Peter, before we, uh, before we wrap up? I would say I would one thing I would pass I would probably add to as a note to the process is that the organizations who involve the students in the design of their badges have oftentimes had really they've had really really strong outcomes. So uh, folks like the Latin American Youth Center here in DC actually had um, their badge designed by their students. Um, so don't be also afraid to involve students in. Um, the visual design of your badge and thinking about what would be exciting and what would be great to include in your program if possible. Um, for students, right, there's a part of this that is them owning their own learning. Um, and if it's something that you can allow in your program or have some breath um, to give them some autonomy or say so in terms of the visual badge and also the programmatic badge, um, go, I mean, I would say go for it. I mean, the learning experience can be so much richer um, when students have a voice in it. Um, obviously, connected learning is about interest-driven um, learning from students' perspective. So definitely the organizations who've incorporated youth in this process of design um, have been really satisfied with the process. And so I would say um, don't be scared to open up uh, that, uh, that door in terms of students being involved in the design of your badge. And I would also say very quickly, get your camera and your video camera, because one of the coolest things about the bad learning experience is the ability to link in what their work actually looked like, what photos of it, a video of a presentation or a project. And that, I think, will float kids' boats to think that that can go out there and represent what they do. Thanks. Um, and then, you know, just, uh, just to wrap things up here, you know, really, um, you know, cities of learning is um, is about getting everybody involved uh, in learning and helping our young people create 24-7 lifestyles of learning. Um, it's uh, Education is certainly the responsibility of the schools, but it's not just the responsibility of the schools. And so you know, this is an opportunity, it's an ecosystem um, to get everybody off the sidelines and everyone engaged in helping our young people uh, you know, develop the the knowledge, skills, and dispositions they need to, to live the lives they want. Um, you know, it, it provides um, you know, uh, better answers to the, the question that we, we have in many communities, which is, um, how can I help? How can I help young people learn? Um, and so, uh, you know, really encourage uh, folks to check this out more, uh, to contact us with any questions, uh, and uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll be on this journey together. So with that, we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up for today. Um, want to uh, thank my treasured colleagues, uh, as we call ourselves uh, the District of Learning Sherpas, um, uh, Peter Guttmacher and Gerilyn Cave. Um, you know, thanks, uh, thanks for being along for the ride. I really, really, really love working and really love what we're doing together. Back at you, buddy. <laughs>